I'm Kitty Kinnan. Welcome to Sound Palette, where we pair music with food. I am beyond excited to have Chef Madison Tessner in with me. She is the chef de cuisine of Jolie, the French bistro in Raleigh, another one of Scott Crawford's babies. In fact, it's right next door to Crawford and Son. Madison was such a joy to talk to and so fascinating. She spent her childhood cooking beside her mom, and she knew early on she wanted to be a chef, but she went to the College of Charleston on a track scholarship, then ended up up at the kitchen at the renowned Fig in Charleston. She'll tell you that story. In fact, online, we have everything you need to know about Madison Tessner or that she'd want you to know, as well as this song she decided to choose for her special pairing. Hey, Madison, thanks so much for coming in. I appreciate it. I got to say, girl, you look fantastic, but you always stay in shape. When you were younger, you got a scholarship in what? Track? Do you still run besides in the kitchen? So I don't really run that much anymore. I fractured my spine. So that kind of ended the career. I still work out, but I don't run as much because like just pounding the pavement is Right. Uh, I think it might be a requirement over at Crawford and Son to work out because look at everybody in their kids. It's like, okay, give me your routine before I hire you. (laughs) Well, it's, I mean, it's such a physical job, anyways. You you could absolutely consider just cooking exercise. Is it very difficult for you being in that small space? It's, it's a small space. It's very small. And, you know, we're figuring it out. It's really interesting. Like, we have to figure out how to move together. And we designed it, like, with our team coming in. So we have a team in the morning that comes in. And and then we have a team in the afternoon that comes in. And we have to, you know, kind of figure out our dance moves. Yeah, I guess you really have to choreograph everything. It's very important to say behind you when you're coming down the line, letting someone know that the oven is open because you're just so close together. But, you know, every kitchen has its challenge. Everybody is there watching your every move, too. You do something silly, and then you just, like, look around. Like, if I drink my water and I forget to take the top off, and I was looking around, like, did anybody just see me do that? <laughs> and sometimes they do, and it's hilarious. So far, I, I've really enjoyed it. And, you know, from my side, I get to watch people eat the food, which is something that you don't get to do very often with cooking. So you're you're spending all of this time, all of this energy, energy, like your blood, sweat and tears are in it. And you're like, man, do they even like it? And you don't even know. And so, you know, and you ask servers for feedback and like Mm -hmm. you get it and they're like, oh, yeah, it's good. But you don't get to see you don't get to be a part of it. So now from our side where I love watching people eat, you know, because, you know, we're we're cooking for you. So I like to be able to, you know, see people's reaction. And if I'm trying a new dish or if we're trying to update something, you know, we're looking to see, you know, is is everybody eating everything on the plate you know are you enjoying it my favorite thing is like when someone takes a bite and they close their eyes and it's like oh gotcha gotcha (laughs) with that one um and so you know we're looking for those reactions you know we can see people next to each other and eating it and then you're close to your neighbors but you can become friends with them you're like oh what did you have like people recommending things next to each other all of that is it's really fun to see and i've never been able to do that before because i'm always just in the back and you're just so enclosed back there that it's almost like two separate things. But at Jolie, exactly. it's really one, and it's it's a really cool vibe for everybody. As a chef, you work so hard to have 
that pleasure of knowing that what you put out is just making someone's entire day or night. You evoke that spirit of your dishes, and it's so nice to see. Thanks. I love it. When did you first meet Chef Scott Crawford and decide that you two had a connection and wanted to work together? So I had met him in Charleston, and then I never really came back to Raleigh that often. But whenever I would come to visit, we would go to, you know, a restaurant. I always want to go to the best place. And when Standard Foods opened up and I'd heard about it and I, you know, I'm like, oh, I'd met him before. So, you know, we went and ate there and I just thought the food was just outstanding. And then when Crawford and Son opened, you know, we would start to, we ate there several times and the food was outstanding again. And it was always different. And he would always come out and say hello. And it was just it's so rare and it's just it's such an honor to have the chef come out and speak to you and he always would and it was just so nice yes chef Crawford is a star and you have worked with quite a number of them and I imagine you have learned specific things from different chefs along the way I learned so much from every place. You know, my plan was always to go to culinary school after college. And then I started working at FIG and I didn't have to go to culinary school. So that was my culinary school at FIG. And the funny thing, you know, for that was I worked there for two months for free. I just showed up every day. Tell that story. (laughs) Didn't you offer to take out the trash or something? Is that how you actually got into FIG? So, you know, I mean, I just used to email him all the time <laughs> and I'm like I just want to be a chef and it was like oh yeah okay okay um and then I had Mickey Bast from the Charleston Grill I interviewed him for a management class in college and he was like who are you like what do you want and I was like I'm Madison Tester I want to be a chef I want to learn from Mike Lotta I would scrub his floors and take out his trash to learn how to cook from him <laughs> and so Mickey was like okay and he just called him up on the phone he was like hey uh Mike I got this girl here who says she wants to take out your trash and like handed me the phone I was like So um, I went in for an interview that was really intense that I like pretty much blacked out afterwards. I don't even I I, I can't even really remember the conversation other than he said, bring a chef coat and a knife and come in tomorrow. And I had been training for a uh, (laughs) a triathlon for like four months. And it was that day. And I was like, well, I could stage at FIG or I could do this triathlon I've been training for months for. So I went to the stage and I totally (laughs) blew off the triathlon. And, um, you know, I got a knife from like Bed Bath and Beyond and like just Googled cutting onions and like came in and, and just got to like peel carrots. And I did that and I came in the next day and I just peeled carrots and just watched them cook. And I did that for a couple months until finally Mike sat me down. He's like, well, if you're just going to show up every day, like I have to pay you. So eventually, you know, I went on to line cooking and, and you know, I moved on to the glass onion from there. And that was the chef owner, it was the opening sous chef at FIG. You know, he had that FIG foundation, which was great and very relatable coming from FIG of just, you know, you learn your basics first. And, you know, he wouldn't let me do tricks. He was like, no, you learn how to make a sauce. You know, you make the hollandaise on the stove with a whisk, and then we can show you tricks of how to, you know, do other things. It's a bistro, but it has French foundation, which almost 
all fine dining has. I mean, it's all based from French cuisine. So I did that. And while I was working there, I was also butchering at Husk because I like doing all of the things. You know, I ended up meeting the chef, Travis Grimes, at a bar. And he's like, oh, my butcher didn't show up. You know, so now I got to butcher 50 pounds of porgy. And I was like, oh, I would like to do that, please. Can I come in? He was oh, like, my gosh. OK. Um, so that's how I did that. So I learned, you know, how to butcher all the fish. You know, we had pigs come in on Thursdays. I got to break down whole animals, which is one of my favorite things and and then moved on from there is where I went to Europe and I tried so hard to cook in France and it is you can't just you know bring your knife roll and your hopes and dreams and go to France and cook anymore you have to you know have it all lined up have your visas in order when I went to France and I couldn't get my visas together there wasn't much I could do the restaurants you know they get penalized if you know they have somebody in there working that's not legal <laughs> so from there I ended up like being able to have a connection into Sweden and that's just kind of how it worked out and it was like okay so you have a place to work, you have a place to stay, and you're going to get paid a little bit of money. So that means my I can extend my trip longer. So that's what I did. So I cooked in Sweden and stayed on boats and like empty rooms and hotels and made friends and did all of that and ended up at a Michelin star restaurant, which was awesome in Sweden and just very different. You know, Nordic cooking was very trending there at that time. And it was it's just really fun, and it was very organic how it worked out that I got to be there for a couple months and cook. I just love your passion, Madison. You take things on, and you take them to another level, of course. We talked about butchering the animals, and then there's wine. I always view food and wine as married. You can have them separate, and they are delicious and excellent, and then together, it's outstanding. So when you're pairing a dish, and you're looking at your flavor profiles, and then you add wine to that as the perfect marriage and the perfect combination, like all of a sudden you have this dish that's great, and then it's extraordinary. And so I, I love, I love wine. <laughs> I respect how they make it. I've used my wine studies to help me create dishes. If I'm locked with something and I know what I want to go on the plate, but I I don't know exactly how to get there. You know, I can research wine and the flavor profiles of wine. And then all of a sudden, like that can help me bring my dish to the next level. So you completed your level one sommelier. Is that right? I did that at McCready's and it would not have been possible without Kathy, who was our beverage director there and is now Ashley Christensen's beverage director. But she gave me all of her wine notes and gave me all of the encouragement because there was a couple of the cooks who were doing that. But it was you got made fun of a lot. <laughs> you know, you definitely did. It was, um, you know, they're like, oh, wine. Ooh, like, what do you smell in there? Sherbel stems? Like, what are you like? Oh, and uh, <laughs> but there in that group, especially with Cappy, she she really encouraged us to broaden our knowledge with it. And, and it really did. It broadened my food knowledge at the same time. So, you know, we would do tastings together. That's where the Court of Master Sommeliers held the course. So it was at our restaurant, which was it was really great. And it was great to meet those master psalms and cook for them when they came in and then took the test. And I actually, I did the test with my mom. And that was really fun thing for us to study wine together and talk about it. I know that you were in the kitchen with your mom. She must be a pretty good cook she's when you were fantastic. young. That, is that what she's, sort of kicked it off for yeah, you? Yeah, she's, my mom is a fantastic cook, but she also gave me space to be creative. You know, when I wanted to make something, 
something, you know, she would get all the ingredients ready for me. She would get all my mise en place. And, you know, I didn't know what mise en place was <laughs> at that point. But, you know, my mom put that together for me to let me just do my thing. That creative space that she allowed me to have is why I do what I do. And she's also, she's so uh, hospitable. We always had parties. We had friends over. We had dinners. And it was, everybody was so excited to always come to our house for dinner. And so she created that. So for me, I love creating that for guests now. It's what I grew up doing for other people or, you know, really watching my mom do. And Do you remember your first food memory? I do. I was thinking about this. One of my first memories is being in Alabama with my family and we were outside and it was really hot and my cousin was putting salt on cantaloupe. Salt on cantaloupe and salt on watermelon just made no sense to me. And so I had to ask her like, what are you doing? This is just, this doesn't make any sense. This is a sweet thing. Why are you putting salt on it? And she gave me a bite of the cantaloupe without salt. I was like, okay, this is cantaloupe. And she put a little salt on it. She gave me a bite with it. And all of a sudden the flavors there, they were brought out. And I I distinctively remember like, whoa, I didn't know that salt could do this or that you could elevate something that's just, okay, yeah, this is some fruit. Like, oh man, now this is like intense, awesome fruit. And then you learn of like, okay, when do you salt? And like, what are the things that salt can do for it? And then like layers of flavoring. It's like, okay, well, you know, you don't want to just add a lot of salt at the end because, you know, what does that do? But like, if you do it along the stages of cooking, you know, at this point you add salt and that will bring out the flavors of the onions for the sauce. It just, it's very, interesting and complex but I you know it that was the first time that I was like whoa so you have a limited menu at Jolie was it difficult to actually come up with that menu was it, it, was, it easy? was so easy really so working with Scott Crawford has been so much fun first of all but also so organic we like the same things which is really rare and really cool and he brings so much knowledge to it of of where I want to do something and I don't know how he's got he like he's like oh here's my all of my experience and history and he's such a wealth of knowledge he's like an encyclopedia for food so that really helps me create a dish and the same thing like for when he wants to do a dish and you know like we talk about it together and you know I'm like well I'm thinking we could add this and he's like oh yeah that's great like let's let's add it in but so when we were doing the menu for Jolie it happened I feel like we just kind of had it together in a day so we uh you know we had a meeting where he brought his ideas for the menu and I brought my ideas for the menu and we sat down and we talked about it and 90% of it was the same stuff. Like wow. we we were already on the same page of what we wanted to do of, you know, we wanted French classics, but then we also kind of wanted our own twists on things because bistro is so many different things now. So give us an example. The trout almondine. Oh God, that's what I had. Yeah, I love, oh my gosh, I love that dish. But you know, it's something that's Classic dishes are delicious naturally, and then people tend to overlook them. You know, like, okay, so it's it's trout almondine. Like, you know that's good. It's brown butter. It's fish. You know, like, that's going to be good. It's almonds. All of those things are delicious together. So people don't put that much heart and soul into it because you know that that combination is good. But that's what we did. We put the heart and soul into it. So, you know, we started off with asparagus, and then we, you know, kind of transitioned into fennel because of the season. And I love Carolina gold rice. That 
that was something that we did a mm, lot at yeah. McCready's. I learned how to do rice and have respect for rice. And a lot of people don't do that. And that was something that Sean really drove home. Sean uh, Brock. Yes. That, that's one of you know the, the classic dishes of Charleston and you know to have respect for all things. And that's kind of how we transitioned to this dish and how to make it delicious. Okay, yeah, it's a classic, but you have to have respect for it all the way through. So trout almondine. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine living without that on the Jolie menu. But there could be a chance you would switch it around and there might be something else. That's one thing that uh, Scott and I, uh, we talk about because we both don't like rules. We hate rules. Uh, We love uh, standards. So we have structure um, and we have standards that we uphold to, but we don't have rules. Um, So for us, we really want people to come into Jolie and it to feel comfortable and you to know maybe what you want to have, but also we want to build the trust to like try something new. So I love trout. So trout's one of my favorite fishes. So if we can get it and it's right now, what we're getting is the best quality. I love sunburst trout, but if it's no longer in season, you know, sometimes things happen. It got really hot and it was got hard to get trout. So we thought we might switch it up, but we'll, you know, we'll always have a fish on the menu. I have an idea for a spring trout that I think is going to be excellent. But, you know, all, we've got so many big fans of the Almondine right now, I'm afraid if I change it, <laughs> I'll, I'll have something to answer to and I'll have to answer to them because they need Yeah, I think you need to keep it on there a little longer because I have to have it again. And so you already have the trust, I think. The buzz is crazy about Jolie. You know, you were in the nest of Charleston for so long. Yeah. How is it different being in Raleigh besides being home? Raleigh to me is very easy to live in. I just, it's not a tourist town, so Raleigh tends to cater towards the people who live here, which I have really enjoyed where, you know, Charleston is, you know, it's tourists and, you know, hospitality town and all of this things, but it doesn't make it easy to be local and to live there. So for me, Raleigh, it's just... I can get somewhere easily. And it's just something as simple as that of like, okay, if I want to go get a cup of coffee, like I'm not going to have to battle a whole group of gawking tourists and horse and carriage to get there. Like I can just (laughs) not yet. Yeah, not yet. I mean, I can just go get it, which I really like. And, you know, as far as like the guest perspective of, you know, we have a lot more regulars, which I like cooking for people that I like, you know, and that and like my friends and family and, you know, getting new friends and and cooking for them. That's why I do what I do. So in Raleigh, it's great to have a lot more repeat customers where I've like, you know, if you sit at the bar and you're at 101, we're probably going to talk because I can see. I mean, we're like two feet away from each other. So a lot of times we've, you know, we've had new regulars that we've just kind of become friends and, you know, I know what they like. And if I'm trying something new, I could be like, hey, what do you think about this? Or like, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that maybe they're not into pate and I'm like, maybe I can change your mind. That was, by the way, that pate was silk. (laughs) It was like incredible. Light and silky and still with that depth of flavor. So I take recipes and like things I've learned from every single place. How Scott does it and, you know, the chicken liver pate fig is absolutely incredible. So, you know, there's inspiration from that. There's just, you know, all of the things and it, it just became what it 
what it is, and I love it too. Oh it's really God. cool. It's, it's a really a great dish of like if you want to try pate and you're not sure about it, like this is the one that will open the door. No doubt. So what do you do on your day off? So I sleep. Yeah. Um, which is, I find most time, I just think sleep is boring, but you know, you have to do it. And then I've been going to the spa a lot. So I've been really enjoying that. And what yeah. do you eat on a Sunday? And I eat all the food. So I pretty much like, you know, cause all during the week, I just like stand over a trash can and eat. So I like to, you know, go out and like try somewhere new. I like to eat cheeseburgers. So, you know, I've been crushing char grill. Like I'll be driving and then I'm like, oh, I smell it. Boom. And all of a sudden I'm in there and I have a cheeseburger. But I like to go out to eat with my friends and my family and like try new places and, you know, try places that I love. And then I hold all of my nieces. They're awesome. My sister just had twins. So she has a two year old and then she has two six month old twins. There's just something like so soothing of just like all of the stress goes away. I wanted to know what you do for the holidays. My family is so fantastic. Not that they never, but they very rarely ask me to cook, but I can't help myself. So, you know, we always do a a big Christmas Eve dinner and a Christmas dinner. You know, both of them are really big. We always do, you know, a big breakfast in the morning. So we have lots of food. I used to always do like a big dessert for it. You know, we'll see for for this year. I'm probably going to be chocolate. We need to pair a signature dish with a piece of music. And I have so many great memories of music with food and And I was thinking about, you know, how do I do a dish with music? But, you know, for me, I use music and and we listen to music while we prep. We listen to music while we break down. And I use music as a tool to help me with whatever I'm missing. So, like, if I need to move faster, I'm listening to something upbeat and I'm listening to something that's going to, you know, make me move quicker. If the Mies is looking good and I have time to play with some things, you know, I'm, I'm looking for something soulful, something fun that I can just groove to get, you know, help my creativity. And when we're closing, I'm looking, you know, we listen to fun things that the day is done. Most part, it's a very joyful at the end of the service. We haven't had too many uh, that bring us down. But if, it, if we are down, we look for something that brings us back up. I can see then when you're explaining it that way, yeah. how it's hard to choose one, but that so, was your homework. Yeah, it was. And so I feel good about what I've picked for my dish. And, you know, what do you want for the holidays? And some Something that I'm really proud of is our palm puree at Jolie. Mm. It's got described it as warm soft serve, and <laughs> I love that. When we're we're making it, it's like, okay, does this look like like soft serve ice cream? Okay, cool. This is a very classic recipe, and it's by Robichon. That is just it's almost equal parts potatoes and butter. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you can't not have that. It's so good. It's so good. But the thing about this dish, it's really done by feel. So it's Yukon gold potatoes. It's butter. It's a little bit of cream or milk and salt, white pepper. And that's it. So how you make this determines on, you know, how much butter you need or so it's really by feel. So, you know, for this dish, you know, we cook the Yukon potatoes in their peel and you boil them with salt. And that way, you know, you're not 
waterlogging your potatoes. Like you have to cook them till they're very soft in the peel. You don't want to boil it too hard where your skin gets all ripped up and then the water gets in there. So you, it's a gentle boil until it's totally super soft. Then you peel the skin off and it's about working the potatoes with the right heat, adding your, you know, cold butter into that. And it just, it emulsifies it. It just, it makes this luxurious, just beautiful, creamy, just soft serve. And, you know, and it depending on the potatoes of, you know, sometimes your potatoes need a little bit of cream. Like sometimes they're already buttery enough to where we add maybe a little bit of milk and we don't need as much butter, but it's something that you just feel. And our chef now who's doing it, we were all over him in the beginning. And, you know, it's just, it's very different because it's like, oh, it's just mashed potatoes, but we take a lot of time and attention. Do you use a ricer or a mill? So we use a food mill. We've done it before where like, if you don't have that and you have a metal colander at home and then you like, once you um, push them through and then that's when you're starting to add your butter and your milk, you want to go back on the stove and then you really just work it. So as opposed to just like force the potatoes to be super creamy you really just vibe with them and you you just you get your heat right you make them stay warm and really comfortable and happy and then you add your butter and it's just like it's just a feeling so you just have to like you have to work it you have to like read what it needs and it's just only a couple ingredients but it's also like how you like it so you can just see them smiling right now and we all do after they're on our plate for a second until they're all gone but yeah oh my god what a great description yeah so but so it's really you know it's really fun and of course I feel like now like I, I made it like this like intimidating process but it's it's really not it's just it's like your vibe for it and of how you like it. And so, you know, a lot of times people, when they get recipes, they're like, oh, well, it has to be exact. It has, you know, you have to do all these things, but it's what you like. You're cooking it. Try it. Like if you're eating it and you're like, man, I really think that this needs more salt, add more salt. If it's too much, like if you don't think it needs any more, don't add any more. Do you use white pepper, black pepper? I use white pepper Mm -hmm. for the potatoes. And it's really just a little bit, you know, some people I've seen do just like a little tiny bit of nutmeg and, you know, some, you know, and if you want to put cheese in it like I've worked at places where they put thyme in the cream and like that's delicious and for me I like I feel like less is more and I'd like the potatoes to speak for themselves and I mean by potatoes I mean it's almost equal parts right. butter right. so like but like just let the butter <laughs> do its thing but but I I love that of just like taking a few ingredients and treating them really really well and like for me for the holidays coming up like everybody wants like potato puree everybody wants mac. what are we hearing when I was thinking about this dish and like you know, okay so what am I listening to and like you know we talked about like it's just a feel and you know what you like so I picked Janelle Monet of Make Me Feel and it's just it's a very like upbeat song and when you're making mashed potatoes like everybody knows it's work and so I want something that's gonna like help me move help me like vibe with me and and so this is a very upbeat song that's very fun to sing to yes it is so much fun to sing to you can check out that Janelle Monet video that Madison paired with her potato puree right here on our website you'll also find the link to Jolie the French bistro where Madison is chef de cuisine if you haven't been there yet what are you waiting for it is so much fun to sit there and watch Madison right there preparing all these phenomenal dishes for you everything is absolutely scrumptious trust me I'm Kitty Kinnon thanks for listening and feel free to share on your social